0: Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through the things God has made. So humans are without excuse. We're beginning a new short sermon series this week called The Case for Faith. And this is a sermon series I've had kind of on my mind for quite a while. Um, One of the things I've noticed in reading and interacting with a lot of people, particularly young adults, is just living in this time and place in Western culture makes faith feel really difficult. Um, so many young adults I talk to go away for co- to college and find themselves asking questions maybe for the first time of, is faith in God even credible? Like, why why should I think that the things that I've heard about Jesus are real? So I, I thought it would be great for us to have a conversation about that, um, because even if these aren't our questions personally, they're the questions our kids and grandkids are asking, our neighbors are asking... And I asked Scott to be a part of this conversation with me today on belief in God, uh, because he and I have different personalities, different perspectives on the world, and I I thought it would be useful for everyone to hear um, some kind of different angles on on how we think about our faith in God and and where that faith comes from. Um, Next week, I'll be talking about belief in Jesus more specifically, and then we'll end with a conversation on doubt. So... Scott, Romans 1.20 that we heard read this morning um, has this kind of sentence from Paul about the fact that he, he believes that God's existence, God's nature, like some basic things about that should be obvious to everyone just by observing the world, creation, what's happening around them. But I think in 2020, it's not always as obvious to everyone. Um, So are there things that you see as you look at the shape of creation, even the shape of humanity itself, that you feel like give you reasons to believe, or at least make um, the basic belief in God feel like a credible belief to you?
1: Yeah, at least a version of that. See, I tend to start Uh, with at least my own set of beliefs and how I conceive of it, is more philosophical than that. Looking out at creation, it's how we interact with it, not it itself, how we interact with each other, how we think about our world. Um, It is philosophical. I tend to think of this approach as more of the rational theist approach. It's, It's that, at minimum, I can create a rational philosophical argument for why a divine other exists, something beyond what's around us. Um, Some philosophers have used the image of like an unmoved mover where everything in our world operates with with some sort of action and then a response. So uh, if that's the case, moving all the way through, where does the energy of the original action come from, even the energy to create the energy? Um, And so this philosophy is just one of many philosophies which argue for a divine other. Um, creates an, an eventual state of an unmoved mover... And this says, whatever your definition of God is, that would be a starting place for having that conversation. You're talking about
0: like the back end of cause and effect.
1: Yes, it's simply it. It's (laughs) cause and effect, and what is the ultimate cause? Hmm. What is the final cause? Uh, Others have, like Kant and other um, Enlightenment uh, philosophers, have come up with all sorts of strong philosophical arguments for why uh, a moral God, um, why um, an all-powerful God, and other versions which more which point more to uh, the Christian image of God, why those matter, and they matter a lot to me as well. Those are probably uh, other core pieces to that philosophical weight, but uh, this, they aren't wholly persuasive in and of themselves, at least not to me. There's a lot more to that, and they definitely don't necessarily point to Jesus, but they do point to a divine other image, and so for me, that's a really important starting place that I can't ignore philosophically.
0: Yeah, you know, when I think about creation itself and like where it points us or doesn't, I feel like the starting point of creation and pointing to God maybe is different for modern people than it was for ancient people, but it's still real. Um, you know, if if you're an ancient person and you're standing on the beach, like looking out into the ocean, you literally don't even know what's the other side of the ocean. You look up at the moon and the sun, and you don't know what those are. Um, so, so looking at those aspects of creation from an ancient mindset you know, it's, it's easy to go from that, from like mystery to God. Sure. Um, but for modern people who get in airplanes and cross oceans all the time, there's not that same kind of mystique about it. Yeah. Um, but for me, where that, where that awe, where that mystery um, still exists as a modern person, as um, many of you know, one of my hobbies is astronomy and, and things to do with space. And just as we as we look scientifically even at the, the vastness of the universe and somehow this extraordinary spot of life that is planet Earth. Um, and one of the, the big mysteries that even science itself hasn't been able to answer for us is what is human consciousness? Like how is it possible that the, these beings exist in the world? Us who can reflect on our own death, who can explore billions of years past in times that we could never see or touch. Um, it, it's an incredible thing, you know, what our knowledge can reach to, even as we explore the quantum level of the world. And and I think for me, there's there's so much in that as we learn that the universe has this extraordinary design that is also very simple. Um, that when you see a, a design that is that simple and that beautiful and perfect, it almost takes more faith not to believe in a designer, Mm. than to say it's been designed that way.
1: What kind of weight does that hold for you? When it comes to saying that kind of gives you an image of God, that gives you an image of God is really there, how much weight does that hold for you to say the the mystery that exists?
0: I think at least... I think, these, I think of these things not so much as proofs for God, but reasons to think that belief in God is credible, yes. right? It's not, it's not a sure. crazy thing to see design and think designer. And in fact, it's, it's not just the things we know for me, but the things we don't know. Um, one of the things I learned recently is that scientists who study these things believe there's between ten and twenty six dimensions in yeah. space. So a few. yeah, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> we only see and interact with three of those. Yeah. like we have no idea what these other dimensions are, or what's ha- right. what's happening in them, the ways they work. There's all sorts of things happening in this universe right. that we have no clue about. and And I think even the intellectual humility of understanding that for me doesn't prove the existence of God, but it opens up the credibility of that belief as as possible.
1: Absolutely. So everything we've said so far has been fairly abstract, really theoretical, um, even philosophical. Um, But for most people when it comes to why they believe, it's very personal and it's very experiential even. It's it's how they live their lives, it's the things they've seen, the things they've done, where they've seen God move, where they've seen other people move for God. this kind of experience doesn't just inform their faith, but it seems to form their faith. So, uh, for you, does that kind of personal experience play much into what you believe in and the very idea of belief itself? Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, There's a couple of different ways I think about personal experience and the kinds of personal experience that that inform my thinking about faith in God. Uh, I read a book not that long ago by a philosopher that was talking about the decline of religion in the West— and he was describing the fact that even in even in countries where religion and, and theoretical belief in God have declined, um, people still report um, experiences of of transcendence, like a, and um, a longing for for something to touch something that is bigger and outside themselves. And sometimes people have this experience in listening to an amazing piece of music, or I mean. Even looking at an incredible math problem, or watching a storm, um, and, and it's a feeling of of kind of being lifted beyond yourself, and just just touching something bigger. Um, and this this philosopher was just observing like the echo of that experience and that longing is something that it, it just appears as like almost impossible to wring out of people whatever whatever our heads are taught to say. Like this experience is very real and, mm-hmm. and something in us longs for it and reaches continually upward and outward. It's part of our human wiring.
1: Well, I know that's true for me. My, my history of, uh, the history of my own faith journey reminds me that no matter where I was going, whether I was at my most kind of... Uh, painful experiences of life or my the most joyful experiences of life, they really pushed my experience of the transcendent at those same moments when when I was at, I would say, kind of the limits of humanity, like where we're at our most painful or where things are the best. Um, I see something more there. Um, and those those moments are defined, obviously, by the culture that's around us. They are defined by the experiences we expect to have in life. So I can see, I mean, that's an important step, like around the world, why people will interpret those differently, but they all seem to interpret them as something more that's bigger than themselves that's out there. Um, Theologians have talked about this kind of longing for evidence as um, part of the discovery of God in the world, that part of the thing we learn is that when there is something we desperately want, it's because somehow deep inside we know it exists. The idea of uh, I'm thirsty, which is evidence that water is a thing out there. Um, I'm hungry, that there's food out there. Even I'm longing for companionship and love, that these things are out there and that we, we can desire them because they, can, they are attainable somehow. Um, so they just describe the idea of this longing for the divine, that, that there's actually a divine other out there which we can connect with.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested by the fact you mentioned pain in that because it seems like the two things, it, the hardest places to not believe in God are like in the trenches of war or in, in a feeling of awe, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're prayers you almost can't help pray as a human, like help or wow, yeah, are like intuitive right. hardwired prayers. Um, but I, I think that for me, there's a kind of experience too that, that carries a lot of weight that is much more personal and close to home. Part of the reason I believe in God and and what really holds that belief firmly in me is in part that I've seen things happen so many times in my life when God is called upon. Um, So this for me isn't just about like there's a designer out there somewhere, but a God who is active and engaged in the world. Um, I I have shared a number of stories from my life from time to time with the Trinity community related to this. But um, just to, to mention one that I've shared with some of you before, um, there was a period of time when I was a teenager that I was really struggling with depression. And for a really extended period of months, I was just feeling incredibly hopeless. Um, and one night, someone prayed for me. And the next morning, I woke up, and I w- just felt my entire body radiating with this intense level of joy. And it didn't just go away, like in an hour or a day. It lasted days and days. And it was it was so powerful and so bright that people were stopping me in the halls of the high school saying, like, what's going on with you? You seem totally different. And it it was an experience that had a, as you said earlier, like a cause and effect thing. There was no cause, right? There was nothing I could point to and say, this is what changed. Nothing changed circumstantially, but something changed in me. And where did that change come from? Um, And I've had so many experiences of that, not just a few, but so many that that point me toward um, something, someone is active in the world more than just the physical forces we can identify.
1: Well, I, I think most people have that sort of story either for themselves or s- most people who would say they're Christians have a story like that or one that they know of for someone else where when they look at the world, the the not just the events, but the, the choices and interactions that humans have made in events, right? The way humans have responded to the world around them had no answer yeah. except that something else was moving within it. Right. Um, and I think that's really important because it's not just ways of defining activities that we don't understand in the world but people right what is actually happening in people like you said right. i'm guessing when people came up to you and asked that question it's because they were truly confounded right. why is megan different like i know megan this you grew up in a small town it's not like they thought anything magical happened in your life that they couldn't tell they would right. probably know if i'd
0: won the lottery that would have been yeah really they good. would have known
1: they would have known <laughs> so yeah. they were seeing something that was beyond them that they couldn't point to either right
0: You know, the the other piece of that that has become more present for me more recently too is part of what actually helps my faith in God and my belief in God being real is um, that I don't always get what I ask Mm. for in prayer. And it's a funny thing to say, unanswered prayer... Is a part of what helps you he believe, but it turns out like if I am always getting exactly what I want in the moment that I want it mm. <laughs> when I ask for it from God, like th- there'd be pretty good reason for me to think like I'm managing to produce a religious experience. Mm. Like I press the button and I have religious experience on command. Um, but there, in my observation, has been no real pattern in my life on like that allows me to predict when God will speak or act or move and when God won't, um, and that has been incredibly faith building to me Mm -hmm. as I began to recognize like that too is part of the evidence that that this person I'm interacting with is not me. Mm -hmm. It's something that is coming from outside me who has a will and a volition and an ability to choose Mm -hmm. that is separate from my own. One of the reasons many people struggle with belief in God is that they're not sure how faith and science interact. Um, I, I know when you and I even talk to youth in our community, this is a question that comes up a lot. Um, how, how do you think about the compa- compatibility of faith with a scientific mindset?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, what's interesting about that is that uh, you both, you and I, actually are quite interested in some scientific things. Uh, uh, I, I think. You're more into astronomy than than I am, um, but I'm probably more into biology than you sure. are. Um, but these are things we have genuine interest in and spend time our free time even looking at. And so I think people assume that people of faith must not care much about science um, or ha- how science explains the world because we got all our answers in Jesus, right? The Sunday school answer can be applied to everything, right? Like, where do frogs come from? Jesus. Um, but in reality, we, we do have more complete understandings of the world when we use different tools for understanding it. I actually don't use scripture for doing calculus. Um, I also don't tend to use it for understanding how cells interact with one another. And I think that's a really important distinction because when we're talking about something like science, we're saying this is a particular tool for a particular job. And I think too often people are There's a scientism or a a, a naturalism way of viewing the world, which is relying too much on a tool to do what it's not built to do. Uh, That science has a limitation to what it can study and measure. Uh, There's a limitation. We even know that the human mind, not not the brain, but the human mind, our consciousness, seems to go beyond what science can measure. No matter how many times we try and get a handle on it, it seems it's beyond that form of study itself. Um, These kind of conversations... At least for me, they, they've been really important. That someone named uh, Francis Collins—if um, you want to look up his book, it's a great book, *The Language of God* by Francis Collins. Um, he was the—he uh, is currently the director of the National Institute of Health, and he was the leader for the Human Genome Project, which mapped the entire human genome. Um, he's a Christian and wrote this book about how his scientist, uh, his way of understanding the world as a scientist does not conflict, but actually influences in positive ways, his faith. And part of that is simply saying that we're asking different questions from these different tools, Um, that God is giving the the underlying story to how the world is and why, which is a much bigger question than simply the different pieces of particular biological or, um, or other types of interactions of the material world.
0: It's like saying you can have a scalpel and you can have a shovel. And they're, yes. they're both useful tools, but they're useful for different things. Right. <laughs>
1: and you can, be, you can be happy to have both of them at any yeah. given point. Every one of you is happy to have your surgeon operating with you, on you with a scalpel and not a pickaxe.
0: Yes, <laughs> for sure. Um, We we brought competing books here today because both of us were thinking about books that have made an impact on us. But um, one of the books that has made the biggest impression on me is this book, Personal Knowledge. Um, You can tell it's a winner by how interesting the cover is.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, this is prettier, just in case you're wondering. (laughs)
0: This is a philosophy book. This is what philosophy books look like.
1: Definitely more dense (laughs) than this one.
0: But this um, philosophy book was written by, I believe he's a chemist. Um, He has no particular investment in defending religion. That's not what he does, and that's not his interest. Um, But one of the things that he argues in this book is that science has or our conversations about science in the modern world have often forgotten that all knowledge at its foundation is an act of faith. It's a willingness to take certain things for granted. Um, Because all of us even even in science each one of us has to make a personal decision like what counts to me as evidence. Um, How much evidence is it gonna take for me Mm -hmm. to be convinced of something? And we all have to make that choice and we're all personally responsible for it. So sometimes people have the idea that like, science is is factual knowledge with no faith at all and then religious is is faith with no evidence at all. And that's not actually what's going on. Um, The the philosopher who wrote this book notes that it, it takes faith to believe in God, and it takes faith not to believe in God. And like, as soon as you stop believing one thing, you start believing another. There's no way to kind of dig beneath the foundation of knowledge and get to the point where no faith is involved. Um, So all of us have to look for evidence and all of us have to make real decisions. Like, what are we willing to accept as evidence um, and, and decide is both possible and worth believing? And that's true in science and in religion, um, faith is something no one can avoid. All we can do is take responsibility for what faith we have.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a, there's an important point to be made that the evidence we're looking for won't be consistent every single day. Like the evidence that my wife loves me, I don't do scientific studies on. That's not how this works. I'm looking for a different type of evidence in my life, and we will look for different types for different things that we're searching for, and that's good and normal. That's how we live our lives, is we have different levels of expectation and different ways of measuring those things. Uh, For me, in many ways, the the question of how these two relate is merely practical. Like, why I'm choosing God over the idea of uh, a purely uh, naturalistic world. Um, In many ways, is practical. We do have to choose something, right? Part of this personal knowledge story is that we have to make a choice for how we're interacting with the world. But when we assume there's a default, like a neutral one, we're just choosing the contemporary cultural influences that tell us what that is. There is no neutral time. The the more neutral cultural expectations were different 200 years ago than they are now, so they're not. They're not actually neutral. We have to choose a way of interpreting our world and interacting with it. Yeah. Why will we? Why will we make certain choices when, when it comes to how we interact with each other? When it comes to how we think about ourselves? When it comes to governments? When it comes to the environment? What is influencing why we will make a certain decision? Um, and. We, we, Like I said, we can't do it neutrally, which means we have to, if we're going to actually try and live our lives with some sort of intentionality at all, we have to weigh what we think is going to impact the world. And in many ways, I want to look to something beyond me, because I just don't, I mean, I know me, I'm fine, but I'm not the best, (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm just me. And I know my worst qualities. You're
0: hoping I'll argue with you right now.
1: Yeah, I was hoping you'd step (laughs) in here. Um, I mean, I know know when I'm my best and I know when I'm my worst. And I don't want to assume that everything I do is going to be just pulled out of whatever I want at that given moment. Um, In fact, I think the world would be total chaos if we just all did that all the time. Um, So I, I want to look for something where others have lived it before me have seen something, something that was transformative for them, that they committed to, that really shaped their lives in a way um, that was bigger and more important than themselves. So that means that I'm, I have spent my life looking for answers that were beyond myself in that. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of where my faith comes from, is saying I'm looking for answers of a story that's bigger than me.
0: Yeah. I think that's an important thing to articulate, because sometimes people make critiques of religion, and they say, like, the world would be better if we got rid of religion, because look at all the problems it's caused. Like, people people who believe in God have caused all sorts mm. of trouble. Um, well, first of all, the reality is most people in history have believed in God, so that's right. just people. Um, but it also doesn't ask the secondary question of, like, to not believe in God. Like, what is the result of that? Um, like, when when each one of us is an arbiter of, of all that is true and right and good, and um, where does that lead? And... I, don't, I have a sneaking suspicion, based on conversations with people I know, we would not agree upon that, and that would create it creates its own kind of difficulty, right? right? Which which isn't to to make isn't to um, de-emphasize the problems that come with having faith, but just to say there's no way around them. uh, Because again, we all have to believe something and operate with our belief in the world.
1: And we'll continue to seek out and and commit ourselves to transcended experiences. So humans will still build religions. Even if we had no religion based around God, we'd base it around something. Um, There's always going to be something that humans, because we're built for something more.
0: Well, and I think you and I have both noted that secularism itself has become a kind of religion oh, yeah, for those absolutely. who practice it. It has deep ethical commitments and yes, deep philosophical does. commitments that are acts of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it religious even if, even if the God in that religion is you. Right. <laughs> um, well, as you can see, this is a deeply complex conversation, and, and Scott and I could and do talk about this all day. Um, but we hope this kind of sparks some things in your mind and imagination, and I would invite you perhaps to spend some time today if if you were with someone over lunch, maybe having some conversation um, why do you believe in God? Uh, what what makes faith seem credible to you or or not? What questions do you hold? I invite you to pray with us as we class. God, you are. Mystery to us in so many ways. Um, but part of the reason we are gathered um, even at a distance today as this community of people is that we believe you have revealed yourself in Jesus Christ in ways that have changed the whole, the whole game about how we know the universe and relate to it. So we pray that as we go into the world this week with its questions and its challenges and its mysteries and its doubts, um, that you would hold all of the pieces of us and our story and the world and its story together. Um, We just fix our eyes on this bigger and brighter and more beautiful thing that is you, um, believing that this story is not ours in the end, but yours.